Hey everyone, happy new year. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Pursuit from Bourbon to Brand. However you found us, we're so glad you're here as we get behind the scenes with the Pursuit Spirits brand. I'm your host, Brian Bikey. Joining me, we have Kenny Coleman, because once again, Ryan Cecil is calling in sick. <laughs> He's in Florida. The guy's in Florida nine times a year. He, Polar plunging, it seemed like. Why does he not just have a timeshare yet? You know, it, 2024 goals, right? You know, <laughs> I guess so. It'll be coming. It was one of those things I remember early on. Ryan goes, we need to open up the state of Florida so I can start expensing my work trips to Florida. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm cool with the company paying for your, your family to go to Florida nine times a year. That's so funny. <laughs> but I mean, the other, the actual logical place in peace with this was, is that we finally had somebody help show us the light of what it takes to do sales and distribution. And Florida is I mean, it's just a massive state. It's huge. It's one of the top five markets in the country for spirits to do this. Like you've got, I mean, you've got St. Pete, you've got Destin, you've got Miami, you've got, I mean, you just name all the majors, Tampa, like you may name all the majors that are around there. It's just a huge market for one person to take care of or to not have anybody down there whatsoever. And so that's where we kind of looked at it and we said, well, if you're going to do this, you have to do it right and you have to go all in like we'd have to spend probably a week down there going to all the different major metros oh i oh, know it's like going to hawaii and seeing rain or something it's like come on that it was like you'd have to just go to all the majors and do your market launches in every single one of these places and you end up having to go to florida quite a bit because it's also a very competitive market it was just one of those things that i think as soon as we started realizing what it would take to open up a very big market like that like you know we did texas Texas is huge, but we struggle there, to be honest with you. It's one of our toughest markets because it is a huge whiskey market, and a lot of brands put a ton of money into there, into marketing, into incentives and sales and everything like that. And so we've got a lot of catch-up just to be able to do it within our current markets rather than rather than spreading ourselves even thinner by opening up even bigger markets. Why don't you guys do some pursuit party shots then, right? You know, like... You know how you, there's those little plastic cups and you just rip off the pl- the foil top <laughs> yeah. and you just throw it back and then dispose of it? Cup of day bourbon? This is, yeah, cup of day bourbon. Just some pursuit party shots and just t- t- launch it in Florida. Yeah, might might as well. Yeah, we'll just, uh, we'll go, what's, uh, what's the big spring break area? Is it a... Everywhere, Destin. Everywhere. That's Destin's like... Miami. Uh, uh, I guess you could. What's the other one? Why am I there to think of like, it was like big in like the 80s. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. I wasn't uh, like, hey, where can I go get crazy drunk <laughs> in the 80s? Neither was I, but I just, I don't know. It'll come to me. It's We're recording early in the morning, so I haven't turned on all the way yet. That's so funny. The you could in the, in the very bottom of the cup, it could say, and the most important you know piece is the New York component. You know what I mean? People be like, <laughs> yeah, what the hell is this? What mean? It's a, I think there's something working there. 2020, maybe 2025, we'll get there. We'll yeah. Get there. You know, we've already talked about having little minis like there's so many people that ask for minis and 50 mls or 100 mls and stuff like that and whether it's for selling here at the distillery or having samplers for christmas or just to be able to put out in the market because people don't want to buy a 750 and it's just like there's a lot of just more logistics that go into that but yeah to even think like oh let's go ahead and do another form factor of party shots <laughs> maybe, I love it. maybe that's a better idea than doing 50 mls on one way to find out <laughs> one way to find out well, while we're here, I thought, you know, we, we, we tossed around doing the whole, you know, what are you looking forward to in the coming year sort of thing? I, I thought maybe 
it maybe it would be good to have Ryan on here, but then as we you and I were talking, we figured we'd go through some of the stats, you know, maybe of just milestones or, or things that the brand had hit this year, and then we'll we'll focus in a little bit tighter than that. So let me kick it back over to you. Like, talk about what did it look like in 2023 for Pursuit Spirits, uh, whether it's uh, here on the Behind the Pursuit podcast, whether it's, you know, uh, in the market and things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, on the podcast, we can definitely talk about that a little bit since I had sent some of the stats over to the team recently because we, we kind of, I do it every single year. I go back and just kind of a, a retrospect of sort of what happened, where were you at, you know, how well did the podcast do and, and kind of seeing the growth of things. And so I always kind of take, you know, Bourbon Pursuit as the barometer for it to see exactly what's going on. And last year for Bourbon Pursuit, we had just hit like 2.1 million downloads in 2022. And this year, Bourbon Pursuit fell a little short, hit about 1.93 million. So it was down 8% over the year. And it was kind of weird because it was trending to to hit 2.1 million again, 2.2 except in November and December, there's just a huge fall off. And so maybe it's the holidays. Maybe there's something else technically that I need to go investigate. But it was just one of those things that I was like, huh, well, that's a, that's an interesting stat. But, you know, it kind of just, I'm glad that we're starting to put some of the behind the pursuit episodes on bourbon pursuit because it gives people an insight to actually go and say, Hey, this is what we talk about over here. And I think it worked because we saw a 23% increase in listeners for behind the pursuit. So, you know, we went up quite a bit. Uh, it's still nowhere near Bourbon Pursuit. So hitting around like 55,000 downloads total throughout the year versus, you know, the 1.93 million for Bourbon Pursuit. But it just shows you that people are finding an interest into it. Mm-hmm. They want to see exactly what's happening with the brand. And I think what I love the most is that when people come here to the distillery and they talk to us and a lot of people that are really diehards, they're like, I really love behind the pursuit because it dives into the the nitty gritty of it all that most people don't, you're not, you're not exposed to. Uh, most people are just looking at the bottles on the shelf and picking up like, Oh, it's smoke wagon. How cool. But they don't know what it takes to actually get that bottle there or what the competition is or what you're spending to make that happen. I feel like if someone listens to behind the pursuit and then they come and they, they do the tour here, like a snapshot of them afterwards would look like somebody who's like a, an, an old timey chimney cleaner, right? And they just scrapple <laughs> up. They're like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I saw all of it. <laughs> got got the black lung after that, right? Uh, yeah. So I mean, like I said, the podcast was good uh, in regards of pursuit spirits. I mean, in, just in sales and everything like that, we we kind of flatlined, which was okay. And you know, we talked about that in the last, last episode. episode that most companies were down uh, anywhere between seven to fifteen percent. That we we're able to stay flat. That's good. And I think that just goes to show that we are we're projecting our company to be around 50,000 six-packs at our final scale point, which is really nothing. We're still going to be very boutique at the end of the day because in perspective, 50,000 six-packs is like one release of Elijah Craig Barrel Proof a year, right? And they do three of them. So just kind of goes to show that, and that's just one of their product lines. So we're still going to be very, very, very tiny in the grand scheme of things. But this has also given us the opportunity to look back and try to figure out, well, what have we what do we need to do to kind of hit our case goals going into next year? Ryan kind of put that down on another Evernote pad that we have that we share of the we have like, I don't know, a couple hundred barrels that we have to do for bourbon, a couple hundred barrels for rye. And what is it going to take to be able to get there? And 
Part of that is opening up potentially, we're, we already kind of announced that we're going to be opening up Maryland, Delaware, and D.C. in Q1 of 2024, which will also roll into the next thing of talking about ambassadors and our need for people there. And then we're also going to be opening up the Pursuit United Private Select Program, uh, opening up PUPS. I know we've talked about it on the show, but we haven't really pushed it. It's been one of those things that I've had to go back and reevaluate how we market it and how we talk about it, because the way that even when we have people here at the distillery and they're doing a single barrel selection of it and they see my coding and they see that process, they're like, this makes no freaking sense. Like it's too complicated. So I've had to go back and just try to like, how do I dumb this down as much as possible to make sure that it, it really just kind of hits and resonates. So that's been one of those things that we've, we've kind of gone back and, and, and done. So you'll see us start pushing a little bit more on that. We've got, I think three or four barrel picks already lined up for the first quarter of this year. So making sure that we can get that going, you know, we already kind of talked about the uh, next thing that's coming on the horizon, which is Pursuit United Double Oak mm-hmm. Bourbon. Uh, that's already been approved by the TTB. Label should be ordered here relatively soon, get some more pictures, and then it all starts over again with market launches and then getting into the right hands and then talking to distributors and making sure they're, they know about it and then having something for them to go sell. And it's just a, it's a constant cycle of things to be able to stay in front of with that. Yeah, so still exciting though with the with the additional markets increasing the SKUs. Now these uh, the pup programs too. Obviously, you guys have people who are coming here on site. So are you all doing a mix of things? Are you sending sample stuff out to folks, or is it just kind of be on site picks? It'll be a mix of things. I mean, one of the things that I really want, and we've all done barrel picks. Do you really get the most like out of your experience when you just get samples shipped to you and you sit there nope. and taste them in the liquor store? Absolutely not. Right. I mean, that's what we want people here to come and experience it. Because if you do that, you have a much better connection with the experience, with the barrel, with the bottle, with the brand. And I want to make sure that we deliver on that. And we're, I think that's, we've done tons of barrel picks. What's the coolest thing about it? You don't want structure. You want something that feels very free flowing to say like, I don't like these barrels. Can I go try these? Over? Yeah, let's go try these ones over here. Let's Hey, I got some other special stuff over here. You want to try this one over here? Like, I don't want to be like, Hey, here's your three samples. Go ahead and choose a, B or C. Mm-hmm. And if we have to ship you samples, that's probably about all we can do. We can't, we don't have so many barrels in, in inventory that we could tie up as we're just shipping out samples, waiting for somebody to go select. Because once samples go out, we know that it can take like upwards of a month or maybe more for somebody to actually select their barrel because of just timing and getting people together and all that sort of stuff. Unless after your TikTok live where we're sending the barrels in the trailer yeah. to the guy so that he can you know taste alongside with you, we have a, a rolling barrel pick experience. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a trailer with all the barrels on there. And it and it travels around. You might be on to something there. I mean, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that on this. Let's. Part. I mean, let's. We'll, we'll think if we can double click on that one a little. Like, just nerd speak about actually like diving into that a little bit later. Of like, what would it? Look That's like actually kind of cool, isn't it? To have to have like a small twenty four foot trailer, twenty eight foot trailer that you would go around and just as long as you don't market the fact that and they're constantly evolving because of the motion <laughs> on the road. I mean, yeah. maybe you could. Dang it! I'm mean, revealing all these things. I mean, you could just don't. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> well, you, you had mentioned the part about um, uh, ambassadors. I think you were you were going to be going there for talking about needing ambassadors in these new markets. But then also when you were talking about the plan that Ryan had kind of laid out, we were talking about a couple other findings in that too. So let's go ahead and dive into the ambassador things and what that looks like now, what it's looking like in 2024. Yeah. So the ambassador program has been, it's been a godsend. It was really something that really put another fresh breath of life into us because 
as we've talked about before, Ryan and I, we don't have the capability to go to markets and travel and be in front of liquor stores and distributors and all this other kind of stuff all day, every day. And we need people that will be the extensions of us to actually go and tell our story, be the ones that get scans at the register and stuff like that. And I encourage you to go back and listen to a prior episode where we actually talk about the ambassador program and sort of like the goals and intentions for it. But with that, the ambassador program, I think we have uh, 70 or 71 ambassadors now in nine different markets. Now, we love everybody that wants to donate their time and effort to be a part of this. You know, the, the one kind of soft rule that I have with it is that I want every ambassador to do one tasting per month as just a way to kind of stay in the program to kind of help you stay engaged. Because what happens if you kind of just lapse on something that just you forget about it and then you just don't stick with it and so on and so forth. And, you know, that's not a heavy lift for us to to bring somebody on board. It's a couple hundred dollars, shipping supplies, you know, T-shirts, stuff that you would need and uh, training, you know, making sure that they know what to do and everything like that too. So like I said, there's a couple hundred dollars per ambassador that just goes into the, the, the hard and soft costs to be able to make that happen. Now, the other issue that stems with this is that, you know, you have some people that are very, very in tune with this and they love it. Like they are taking their time and they are, they're really sinking their teeth into it and making sure that this becomes something that is more than a hobby for them. Like they, they take this very seriously. And so they'll be scheduling in between three, four, even up to eight to 12 tastings a month because they just love doing it. And, you know, that's one of those things that I said, you're going to talk about whiskey anyway, you might as well get paid for it. And so there's some of people that are there, you know, they, they look at it as like a second job and they really love it. Plus they get paid for it. So it's, it's all great. And then some other people, you know, they get started uh, they might have one or two, and then I don't hear from them for a few months. And the problem that I have is that I can't manage 71 people right. all the time. And as much as I want to get this, you know, I, the original idea is that everybody works very independently and they can work on their own. It's like the, it's a gig economy model like Uber and Lyft, like you work when you want to work. Now there's a lot less uplift for actually signing up as like an Uber driver, right? It's just, you know, scan your driver's license, sign on an app and you're, you're off and going. You know, this requires me to, to take time to do education, to have onboarding, to send uh, materials and samples and all this other kind of stuff too. And and so the problem is, is of course, I don't know and I can't keep track of people that fall off. Right. And I don't have time to sit there and manage every single person. So I also looked at it and I said, you know, beyond just having somebody that would be a coordinator of different types of ambassadors in their area, we also need to give people an opportunity to build themselves in the industry because a lot of people start in the ambassador program because they want to be in the industry. They, 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 they're like, you know, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm not really liking this. I would love to be able to work for you guys full time. I know you're not hiring full time. Maybe just keep me in mind when that day comes. And this is going to be potentially a step in that direction where we are going to start taking, you know, we're trying maybe five to 10 ambassadors and giving them the opportunity to start being state or territory managers. And I haven't figured out what the full job description is of this yet, but some of the the details would include things like actually being the one that interfaces with our distributors on a weekly basis. I mean, this is going to be one to two days is what you're going to need part-time to, to actually fulfill this role. So it's nothing that you just do it for three hours on a Saturday. I mean, this is going to be 
eight, 12, 16 hours a week now is probably what it's going to take. And so the the role that they're going to need is to, again, be that interface with the distributor. They're going to be the ones talking to the salespeople, talking to the the distributor executives to be able to see like, okay, like we're not getting the support we need over here. I need this. I need this. I need this. Right? You have to have a very sales focused and oriented attitude. This is nothing that's just going to be kind of very passive. I'm not this kind of person. I'm not a salesperson at the end of the day. I'm not very good at it, but I need the people that can be to be able to actually say, okay, I'm going to go in this market. I'm going to figure out where the gaps are and what do we need to fulfill to actually make that happen. So they're going to take care of, again, making sure that they are going to be in that interface, making sure that there's a presence for all the salespeople so they know who they are. Uh, Second is going to retail accounts and making sure that you're shaking hands with people and saying, hey, I'm an ambassador. I'm a territory sales manager for this region. I want to say thank you again for your support. Hey, I've got some new samples and stuff that just came out. It's going to be hitting the state soon. You want to try it? Just doing those things, like building rapport at the stores to make sure that, you know, we have that that face-to-face interaction because that's where the relationships are built is like at that very, very ground level. Next is actually doing things like ride widths with distributors. So one of the other things that distributors allow you to do is that you would schedule time with them, usually a couple of months in advance, where you actually ride with a salesperson. That salesperson will take you to five, six, seven, eight accounts that do not carry your stuff. And you go in and you pitch it. And that is a way that is is a better way to do things other than what we have been doing, which is, hey, if you have an account that doesn't carry our stuff, just go in, have them sample it. And if they like it, tell them to go and contact their rep. Well, we miss out on probably 70% of those sales because that person at the liquor store, that is not their number one priority. They do not care if they put another bottle on the shelf. So they forget. They don't tell their salesperson. Even if we follow up those salespeople, they'll forget to go in there and get yep. the order. Or we'll hear something like, oh, I went in and they said they don't want it. And you're like, well, here's the thing though. It's like, if you get them right there, then in there, and they have, they have, they're putting in the order when you're there with the sales rep, like, there you go. Order's taken care of. So it's that... We've even, I've even had that happen to me where I went down to Texas. I did a ride with, with a distributor when I was in Houston. We went to a store. I pitched him everything. He's like, love it. Bring it in. They refused a delivery and we didn't get the sale. Oh my God. So it's like, I need somebody that can go in and be like, why'd you refuse it? Like, what's, you know, what do we, what do we miss? What's the mark? Like, what do we need to do? So it's like, those are the kinds of things that it's, it's like, it's very, it's frustrating because it's it's such like it's all handshakes. It's very one-on-one, but we need somebody that can do all that sort of stuff. The last thing is actually being the ones that are going to be kind of the, the territory managers for all the brand ambassadors as well, because I need that layer middle management to actually stay on top of all the ambassadors in the region. There's some, there's a lot of ambassadors that are work very well independently and they can schedule stores and they can do other things. But I need somebody that can make sure that even though we have say like five ambassadors in Columbus, I, I need to make sure that they're not stepping on each other's toes. They're not booking themselves in the same exact stores. And so there has to be somebody that can kind of corral all that. The next thing is instead of people that can work independently, the people that tend to not work as, you know, maybe it's not as motivated, I guess you could say. To be fair, it's like, this is a position where everybody has a 
job. Everybody has a day job. Everybody has a career. They do this out of passion and they don't need to do this. Mm-hmm. I get that. And, and so you, you tend to forget about it and you've got kids, you've got family, you've got life, you've got all this other kind of stuff. But if I had somebody that said, Hey, I need your schedule. What's it look like for the next two months? Would you have open Fridays and Saturdays? I'm just going to go ahead and book tastings for you. And all you have to do is show up that way we can kind of really double down on our tastings and what we're getting in there. And that's going to make a little bit easier lift for the people that necessarily don't have the the salesman kind of go-getter attitude yeah. where they'd have to go and do all the scheduling and stuff like that. But instead, if all you have to do is just show up, that's a pretty easy thing to do. So, Definitely. so those are the kind of things that I'm thinking about going into to next year of, of making sure that we can kind of build that program up even more. My original thought was maybe we just hire one salesperson that takes care of this across the country for all 70 ambassadors. But the more I thought about it, I was like, well, if we bring on somebody that's say like the the director of sales, that person likely needs air travel, mm-hmm. hotels, meals, all this other kind of stuff that would take when you need to go, they got to go to, they got to go to Austin. They got to go to Louisville. They got to go to Dayton. They got to go to all these different places. And so they're basically just, spending all this time traveling and it's like, I don't want to pay for hotels and flights when I'd say like, let's bring one person that can take care of the state of Tennessee and I'll pay for their, you know, their mileage or their hotel or their meals or something like that. If they got to go from, you know, Nashville to Memphis or Chattanooga or Knoxville or whatever it's going to be. I mean, that's a little bit easier. That's not going to cause as much financial burden for us. That was kind of the the motivator behind it and, and making sure that you know, you have, you know, five to 10 people reporting to you instead of 70. It's, it's just impossible. It's nearly impossible to take care of. You can take that from any sort of corporate learning. You can't have 70 people reporting to you and try to be efficient. So if we have another layer of middle management, we'll be able to, I think, be more successful in that realm and making a, a better ambassador program out of it. I'm going to say might better. Uh, people love it. Maybe more efficient. Right. It's, it's interesting hearing them talk about this too. And just backtracking just a tiny bit you know we talked last episode and then at the very beginning of this episode kind of reflecting back on on this podcast this is one of those things i find really interesting because when we first posed the the conversations or the thoughts about the ambassadors we were like we're gonna be or just as soon as we started it's like we're spending so much money on this so it's interesting now in in hindsight to be coming in and be like this has been such a successful thing for the brand and to kind of get into seeing these markets so yeah i mean it's it's one of those things that we don't lose money on it, but we don't really make a lot of money on it either. I think that's one of the things that we've we've looked at is that if we can break even, we'll be doing okay. The way that it's kind of structured, and I've only told this to a few different ambassadors, is, is that if you don't sell between four to six bottles at a tasting, like we lose money, right? Four is kind of like on average, right? If you don't sell four bottles, we're losing money. If you can sell over that, we're doing pretty good. And you get everything in between. Like sometimes you've got some people who just roll snake eyes and they don't sell anything. And it, it happens. It doesn't happen often, but it happens. You get some ones and twos, but then you also get some people that are selling eight, nine, 10, 12, 15 bottles at a tasting. So it all kind of averages out to the point where it's sort of break even. And, you know, we're looking for it. And, and the goal, of course, is that those run through inventory that depletes distributor inventory, which gets us to be able to you know, get more POs in the door and stuff like that. But it's a, it's a, it takes a lot longer to get those POs in than it is for ambassadors to go out there and, and do tastings and stuff too. So, 
you know, being able to double down on it as well as be able to create these, this like state or territory manager roles, we're going to need some more funding to get into the door. Uh, we're going to actually need some more money to be able to do that. So it's still kind of TBD at the moment because last thing I want to do is be like, hey, let's go do this and be like, eh, I can't really pay you this mm-hmm. week. So we want to yeah. make sure that we we set our expectations properly. It's this, this business is all about cash flow and making sure that we, we manage that accordingly. And is your goal to hit whenever this does, you know, launch or pilot, uh, all the markets that you're in, are you keying in on a couple specifically that you're like, hey, this is what we're going to, we would want to start? Yeah. I mean, I think we would, like I said, five to 10 people, mostly we we look at having a state person saying one in Kentucky, yep. one in Illinois, one in Tennessee. We probably need like three, maybe four, maybe probably two or three in Texas, yep. right? You need Dallas and Houston. Those are the big ones, right? I need somebody probably in each of those to kind of take care of those big markets. Maybe we'll look at Austin. Not really too sure about that one yet, but making sure that we take care of the ma- the major markets and the you know, good gosh, I mean, what Houston has more population than the entire state of Kentucky, right? So that kind of just gives you an idea of like where we need somebody staffed or look, we'll just be able to take care of something like that. And you know, we're not we're not Diageo, we're not Brown Foreman. I, there's no way I, I expect somebody to come and work, I, and I can't pay somebody to come and work full time with us to go around to liquor stores every single day, but if we made a little impact and you do that one or two days a week, I think we can, it, it's still little bits better than nothing. Yeah. It's interesting hearing you talk about this position too, because even in the beginning when you were mentioning the ambassador program, what that, what that is looking like, you know, I kept thinking in my head too, you were, you were talking about distribution and you're talking about, you know, trying to get people on board. We've talked about this in past episodes too. So seeing that that role might kind of expand for them being the ones who are talking with the distributors and doing those things too. I'm like, man, that I could see how much time that would free. There's so many mornings that come in here and I'm like, gosh, there's things that I, that you all are doing that I'm like, that just kind of stop you from whatever it is, the next thing that you're doing. So if something like that was able to pass off to somebody else's plate, I can just from, and from my perspective, see all this time that it's freeing up. Yeah. I mean, that was, but that was one of the things that we learned early on is that, you know, sales and distribution is very important. And, as much as Ryan and I want to spend time taking care of it, we're just not good at it. To be fair, we're just not. We're not bulldogs. We're not bullies. I'm too. I'm too freaking nice when it comes to kind of like dealing with people, and they're like, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, like uh, I'm not gonna name names, but it's like, you know, we we launched an estate and or move a distributor, and I'm, and you know, it's like we we launch, we do everything right. We do everything by the book. We have what's called a GSM or a general sales meeting. We either go there in person or we do it over Zoom. We tell everybody about the story. We tell them what they're going to do. We say, hey, here's our sales incentive. So let's get out there. Let's do it. Let's hit the pavement. Let's see if we can get some bottles in the stores. And they come back and it's like, oh, we got you 25 accounts the entire state. I'm like, dude, I sent you enough that like enough product that we should deplete our entire existing inventory within a week like excuses it's all excuses and and it's just one of those things it's like i need somebody that can be that that bulldog for us that can actually go and and like how do you stay on top of people it's like i'm always sending emails and i'm kind of like all right like what's your excuse this week not not saying that but at the same exact time i'm kind of like like why is why is nothing why are we not getting anywhere with this and it's, it is, it's frustrating. Like I, I want, I, we just need somebody that can take care of that for us. So you've got to have that, 
kind of like a salesperson attitude to try to figure out what what can we do to kind of get a little bit more penetration in the market and how do you just stay on top of them because if there was I'm not going to say like they need more money and they need more incentives, but they just need somebody that shows them that we're there to support them. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of those things. It's like, and we, this is, this is the same exact line that we tell all of our distributors, like you get it on the shelf, we'll get it off the shelf. And a lot of that's still not resonating with them because they are not seeing that, you know, we are put all these ambassadors in the market. We're getting tastings, we're getting momentum, we're getting people here at the distillery. We're like we're building the brand, but we need you on our side. And so there's a, we have a few problem states. We have some really good states too, but we have a few problem states that you know, it's, it is what it is. And I think that's the same sentiment that no matter who you talk to in the industry, there's always going to be point, you know, finger pointing at trying to figure out who is to blame. Yeah. So where are we looking at then in terms of, you know, as we go into 2024, is this a, is this a, a big or one of the main you know focus points you guys have right now or is this just something that you're like hey we know we need to address this this is going to be super helpful but we have a couple of other irons in the fire that we need to make sure we address prior to this i mean it's everything's multi-pronged approach i mean you got to have you got to have goals and this is one of the things that you know we learned from last year and how well the ambassador program works and it works very well in some few key cities where we have really good ambassador support and then you know there's other places where it's just you're just overwhelmed because there's not enough or it doesn't matter how many ambassadors you throw at the problem like texas doesn't matter how many ambassadors you throw at the problem it's just it's never going to be enough because of how big the market is so we just needed to figure out well what's going to be the next phase of like how do we build this and what's going to make it look successful so that's one thing right sales and distribution you have to pay attention to that but of course the big thing on our mind which we'll probably talk about in a later episode is everything on Whiskey Row. That is going to take a ton of time for Ryan and I to make sure that everything lines up and that we make the best possible experience that we possibly can with the budget we have. So yeah, I mean, there's, I can name you 50 other things that we kind of have going on, whether it's new product development, but for the most part, you know, we look at those two things as kind of like really big goals of, of how do we get as bad as it sounds, I mean, we're a business, but how do you drive more revenue? Like that's exactly what it's going to be. So you've got to be able to do it through making sure that we have people in the markets, that people are knowing about the product. It's just promotion, 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 promotion. And so it's just going to be a, a constant thing that we're doing. I mean, beyond that, there's going to be more things that are happening with our current distillery here of making sure that we get the word out about people that can come and visit and do things because as much as there is, there's been a good, resounding success of people that have been here already, but I want to fill butts in the seats every single time. I want to sell out every single experience every single day, Thursday through Saturday. And it's going to take a lot more promotion to be able to make that happen too. You know, you go on, you know, Bourbon Community Real Talk, Bourbon Lovers Group, and all these things on Facebook. And it's the same thing every single day. I'm going to Kentucky and Louisville for a few days. What do I do? And it's go to Bardstown, go here, go here. And it's just like... But we're starting to see a little traction, you know, whether it's an ambassador, whether it's somebody that's done the experience, like you need to go check out Pursuit Spirits. And it's like, all right, cool. Like we've got, we got something going on. So it's, it's, I I don't expect to boil the ocean on day one, but it's going to take a little bit more time to make sure we find more people that'll be fans of the brand and preach the gospel for us too. And as you're getting ready to turn into Pursuits, if you're coming here to tour, slow down right before you get to the uh, turn in, you know, there's (laughs) there's a fence. You want to make sure you... You don't hit it. 
a little inside joke. Uh, it was, what was it? It was uh, New Year's Day? Was it New Year's Day or the day after New Year's? Yeah, it was, it was New Year's Day. Uh, no, New Year's Eve. That's when it was. Uh, and I pulled into the distillery because I was actually dropping off some lumber that I picked up to build a new, because I'm going to build a retail display wall for us here because <laughs> finding time to do things. There you go. That's the things that are on top of my mind. And I pull in and I'm like, fuck, like half the fence is gone. <laughs> it was like somebody ran into our, not only did they barrel through our fence, they hit the steel beam that holds the sign up and dislodged it from the ground. Oh so you can go and you can push it and it, it kind of moves a little bit. So uh, yeah, there's, there's bumper pieces and all this other kind of stuff out there. Well, cool. All these other things that you mentioned too, I'll be really curious to kind of dive into these goals and, and things that we're looking forward to, Whiskey Row and otherwise in 2024. We'll wait for Ryan to come back for that one. So so we'll button it up here. Guys, thanks so much for tuning into another episode. I thought this one was really interesting as we see kind of how things are hopefully going to be changing uh, or, or developing with the ambassadors and how successful it's been for the brand. If you guys have things that you want to hear us talk about in upcoming episodes, podcast at PursuitSpirits.com. We'd love to hear what you're interested in hearing about from the brand as we get a behind the scenes with the Pursuit Spirits brand here on Behind the Pursuit. Thanks everybody for tuning into another episode. Till next time, we'll see you all later. Cheers. <laughs>